is our purpose for the series. As you know, we've been in this series called Rooted. If you're new today, just let me just briefly catch up. To be rooted is to deepen or to start our relationship with Jesus, one another, and to live out our purpose in this world. Now, week one, we talked about all of us have a root system. The question is, what are we rooted in? So that when the storms of life and different things come, you have something that's going to stand firm. Then we said, God is speaking. On week two, are we listening? And then week three, we asked the question, if uh, God is speaking and loving, why then is there suffering? And then last week, we talked about that there is an enemy in this world, but it's not people. There's an enemy within, and there's an enemy externally, and you can get all of those online. This week, uh, we talk about how we can make the most of our lives, and it's going to be part one. Uh, here's the reality. Uh, all of us like to be served. Let's just be honest. Uh, we like to be served. Uh, one of the reasons that you know that uh, you like to be served is when you are not served well, how much does that irritate you, right? How much does it irritate me? How many of you guys have ever received bad service? Bad service? Anybody ever, ever received bad service? Okay, just want to see if uh, any of you guys are listening. The only way you know what bad service is, is if you've had good service. And so whether it be getting a coffee or at a restaurant or somewhere else, a customer, you know, call or whatever, you know what it's like to receive good service and you like good service. In fact, some of us have this kind of goal to work up in life to the point where we have more people serving us than we have to serve them, which makes us feel like more comfortable, more at peace. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you off the bat. It's not bad liking to be served. It's not bad uh, liking to have excellent, you know, service, which we'll get to in a minute. But I asked you know, on social media, how many of you ever had bad or terrible service? And just like you, uh, we had some very uh, lengthy, you know, uh, posts, you know, on my social media with much detail, which showed me that it was obviously hit a, a, a something that a, a passion or interest with people. And so I'm not going to read all of them. I just want to read one because <laughs> it made me laugh. And so uh, I hope it does, you know, with you. Um, Adam, you know, he was on staff. He actually texted it me, to me because uh, he just, he said, I can't put this on your social media site. I said, don't worry. I'll just share it to everybody off from the stage. <laughs> he says, uh, as I was in line at Taco Bell, that's all that the story needs to start with, right? <laughs> and that's the end of the story. You know, uh, as I was in line at Taco Bell restaurant a few years ago, a lady in front of me just ordered a soda. As the worker went to grab the soda, the ice in the ice machine was stuck. So he grabbed a plunger, and with the handle of the plunger, he stuck it in the ice machine to break up the ice. The lady said, what are you doing? That's a plunger. To which the employee replied, well, it's only the handle. To which Adam said he's never bought from there again. <laughs> Run for the border indeed, right? <laughs> Unless there's a wall, but... Uh... <laughs> Too soon? Too soon on that one? A little, okay, sorry. That's on a throw. So, okay. Uh, we do love, we do love, oh, so let's be real. We love being served, okay? We love being served, and we love being served well, and that's the greatest news, is that God knows that about us, and he is the greatest server. He's the greatest servant, and it's okay to, for us to receive the greatest service and the servant from the person who ever lived, which his name is Jesus. You know, for him, what he was doing is he was taking a model, he was taking a pathway where, okay, you like to be served, there's nothing wrong with that, but if you want to be great, if you want to find fulfillment, meaning, purpose in your life, you'll actually find it more by being a servant than being served. That was his whole point. In fact, he says this in Matthew 20, 28, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, 
but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, in fact, he models this uh, for his closest followers. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to John 13. While you're turning there, uh, uh, think about it in your own life. Uh, if you knew, I mean, you actually knew that you were only going to be on the live on this earth for the next 48 hours, what would you say and what would you do? What would you say? Who would you say it to and what would you do? Uh, Jesus knows he's going to die. And so he has what they, we were fondly referred to as the Last Supper. Now, they don't know it's the Last Supper at the time. We know just because we're looking at it, and Jesus knows. And so don't you think Jesus' words are going to carry great meaning, and his actions are going to be even more remembered in this moment? And Jesus knows this. So like what Hester talked us through, he institutes what we now call communion, the remembering of what he did on the cross for us. But that's not the only thing he did during that Last Supper. In fact, uh, as the, the meeting was done, he got up. Now, what you need to know in that society is to be a good host. Think about people coming over to your house for dinner. Think about uh, uh, more than just the family members, somebody who's never been to your house before. What do you do? Usually you clean up, you prepare a meal, you know, uh, you make things kind of straight, you know, you throw all the junk in closets and stuff if you have to do it quickly. You know, that's what's in my house. Uh, and so that you're ready to receive people. Now in Jesus' day, uh, they had these sandals and they'd walk in these streets and they would inevitably get muddy and the animals would be walking on those streets. You can imagine what else would be on their soles of their feet and shoes. And so if you had means and you had servants, a servant would wash people's feet when they came into the house for the guest, but also to preserve the house. Now, if you had multiple servants, it went to the lowest of the low, meaning there, there was not a lower job. We might think toilet scrubbing or something similar in our own you know, uh, household to be able to do. And Jesus has recognized we've eaten a meal and nobody washed anybody's feet. So he gets up, puts a towel around his waist, and he begins to wash his disciples' feet one at a time. He gets to Peter. Peter's really offended, you know, that of all people whose feet should be washed, he understands, wait a minute, wait, this is God in human form. I should probably wash his feet. And Jesus says, no, 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 I want to set a model, I want to set an example for you. And you can see after he goes around, in the shock of what he has done, he sits down and then he says these words in verse 12. After washing their feet, he put it on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord and you're right because that actually is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done for you. Now, from there on in Scripture, you don't see the disciples washing everybody's feet every time they meet them. What he was illustrating more than anything else was to have a fulfilled life, a life of meaning, a life of purpose, a life of inner joy. It's going to be about serving more than it is going to be about being served. See, Romans 6.4 says these words, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. One of the pictures that you see that we always show every week is somebody gets baptized. The, the, the illustration is they're dying to their old selves and they're raising to a new life with Christ. Some of us have always thought, oh, I just accept Christ as almost like fire insurance. You know, I, I get to go to heaven. That's why I accept Christ. And Jesus says, no, 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 your life begins when you receive Christ. Your new life, I should say, begins. So he gives us purpose and meaning in this life. He has a plan for your life. 
question is, do you know that plan if you're going to be rooted in him? Do you know the direction that he calls you and he wants you to live that's meaningful and fulfilling? In fact, he says it this way in John 10, 10. The thief's purpose, as we talked about last week, Satan's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus's purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. Some of your Bibles might say an abundant life. Are you experiencing an abundant life? As you just think about this last week and this last month, are you experiencing this abundant life, this this, uh, rich and satisfying life? Because here's the reality, and this may shock some of you. If you're not, either Jesus is a liar or you are not aligned with him. There's only one way or another because either his words are true or they're not, or you might not be experiencing the abundant life that he has for you because you, just like me, might be a little bit off base when it becomes this idea of being rooted in him. And so why? I started asking the question, gosh, man, why does it feel like, and maybe you're like me a little bit, why does it feel like serving is a burden? Okay, let's be honest. Show of hands. One more time. Do you ever feel like serving's a burden? Raise your hand. Okay. It's a to-do list. It's another thing. I don't have enough time as it is anyway, and now I'm expected or thought of you know, by God or by other people to serve some more. Aren't I serving enough by, and you fill in the blank as I have done. Now this goes back to last week, and I began to ask the question, why does it feel like a burden? Uh, some of us is because we're so busy, right? We're just, we're so busy, we're so stressed out, we're in these seasons of life. And I, I want you to hold on to that phrase if that's you, because I'm, I'm hoping to flip it. Uh, by the time that we're done today. Now, some of us feel like it's a burden, and this is where I I can fall into this camp. I feel like a burden because we've not truly embraced what Jesus has done for us. We know what he's done for us, but we've not embraced it. Think about it in your life. Think about a time in your life when somebody went above and beyond to serve you. And and they went out of their way. Maybe it was at a time when, when you were at one of your darkest times, darkest seasons, And there was a group of people, maybe just an individual who just said, I love you enough to do this. How did it feel being served in that way? I don't know about you, but when I've ever had a couple of those experiences in my life, my love for that person goes to a whole other level. In fact, so much so that I long to find ways to repay that person because of what they've done for me, not because of obligation, not because it's a burden, not because of guilt. And hopefully you've had somebody that has done something significant in your life. Could be a parent, coworker, neighbor, friend, son, daughter, I don't know, who's done the extra mile for you. Doesn't it compel you to be able to want to have the opportunity to give back? See, one of the reasons that serving Jesus by serving others is a burden is because we're not focusing on what Jesus has done for us. See, when you fully embrace what Jesus does for us or we're reminded again and again what Jesus has done for you, where would you be without Jesus in your life in this one and in the life eternity? Where would you be without him? All of a sudden that should compel us, not out of guilt, obligation, or a weight to be like, oh my goodness, I get an opportunity to give back. And here's what I can tell you in my life. When I am focused on what Jesus has done for me, serving doesn't become a burden. It becomes a joy and an offering back to him. But I do know that when my heart and mind is not focused on what Jesus has served me, because it's okay to be served, how Jesus has served me and loved me, then very easily it becomes another to-do list, another check box on the things that I've got to get done this week. What a difference 
it really means in my life, maybe in yours as well. Uh, also, I know that when people have said, you know what, I, I don't want to serve, I can't serve anymore, I'm burned out. Maybe you felt that way, I'm just fried. You do realize serving is like a pitcher of water. And you're pouring yourself out over and over and over again in the lives of other people in the name of Jesus. And that's all good. But eventually, you run out of water unless you're filled back up again, which is why Jesus says in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in you will produce much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, you're going to fry yourself. If you're not connecting to the one who fills you, you will find yourself. So I always ask people, when uh, people say, you know what, Dan, I just got to get a break. I got to be done. You know, I am so fried. I'm so tired. I'm so done. And I'm like, man, for sure, let's give you a break. Let's do what we can. Let me come alongside. You don't have to serve, you know, for a season. That's great. But let me ask you this question. When's the last time that you connected with Jesus outside of weekend services? When's the last time you allowed him to pour into you? Because when he pours into you, Serving actually becomes a joy and not a drain. Now, I, granted, I do know that some of you do. You're, you're compulsive servers, and we do have a recovery program for that as well. <laughs> you can't say the word no, which is a whole different message. Uh, is serving becoming uh, who you are or something you do? Is that another way to look at it? Am I trying to become a servant or am I trying to serve? If I'm trying to become a servant, it becomes who I am. And over time, you begin to replicate what it means to be a servant in who you are and instead of just something that you do. Now, we all know <laughs> that uh, attitude is kind of important too, right? <laughs> to serve with joy, to enjoy serving, not begrudgingly, not this extra weight. Um, you ever seen anybody serve, but they hated it? You know, could have been somebody little, you know, could have been somebody who lived next door you know, where they were serving, but they were whining the whole time. Why do I have to clean my room? At the end of the day, you're just just so exhausted from trying to convince them this is something that's part of the family, part of the life. You're like, man, I wish I would have just done it anyway. It's such a joy sucker instead of a filler for me and for them. It's not good. It's the same thing with God. We find joy in it as well. So understand this. With all those burdens, Maybe one of them hits you more than the other. It's also a burden when we don't know how God created and wired us to serve. You realize that? Some of you are serving in areas that God never created you or wired you to serve. Now, granted, we're all supposed to find ways to serve. That's what Jesus' model was when he got up and served people by washing you know, people's feet. We're all supposed to serve and never be above any area of service. But there's a regular place that God has called you to serve. But the concept is, you and I have been blessed so that we can be a blessing. If you've received Christ, being rooted in him means you've been blessed by God, not just for your own sake. It's moving from being a consumer Christian to a contributing Christian. There's a big difference between the two. And it's okay at first to come, to receive, to receive, to receive, to receive. But at some point for you to continue to grow, to find the fulfillment and the abundant life that God has created you to experience is going to come when you start giving and you start serving. Uh, Jesus, you know, says it this way. It is more blessed to give than to receive, to give than to receive. Right? You ever have that experience at Christmas time where uh, you get more excited watching the joy and the excitement of other people opening up a present than even the gifts that you receive? Just that pure joy, you're like, you're getting a little taste of what Jesus is talking about. What if you came to church 
ready to receive, which is why we come to church, ready to consume, ready to receive. God, what do you have for me? But maybe God wants to use whatever he gives you, not just for you to hold on to it, but for you to share it as well. I experience this uh, consistently in our household when I try to find ways to love on, let's just say my boys. Okay. So I give, I buy, you know, uh, Skittles for one, you know, and I say, please share with your brother because it says like family size. And so I get back into the car from the gas station, and now there's a full-on war taking place in the back seat because one has five Skittles and the other one has 75 Skittles. And legalistically, he looks at me, (laughs) Josiah, and says, I have shared with my brother. I'm like, really? That's your level? Okay. I said, where did you get that store? Who bought it for you? I did. What did I instruct you to do? Share it. So is it really even yours to begin with? but I gave it to you because I love you and I want to bless you. And so as expectation is in our household, if I say this is a blessing for you to also be a blessing to others, why would you skimp on something you didn't receive in the first place, 100% that you only give just a little bit to your brother? And then I had to be reminded, that's me, right? That's us in our own lives as well. We receive from God and we think, Lord, Thank you for this job. Thank you for these kids. Thank you for this home. Thank you for this, for this environment. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for the food. Thank you for whatever. And we think, God, thank you because you gave it to me. Do you realize that the vast majority of what he's giving to you is great? He loves to serve. He loves to give. But so that you would then bless someone else. And how he's wired, created, designed, given whatever to you so that it would go through you. And here's the crazy part. And you find joy in that. How do we know this? I love it when, the, when science catches up with the Bible. Don't you love that when it happens? Okay, now I'm not a doctor. I just play one on TV. But um, <laughs> this is what I read this week. This is a neuroscience study, okay? When we help other people, it triggers a release of oxytocin, which has the effect of boosting your mood and counteracts the effects of cortisol, which is the dreaded stress hormone. When you help others, you are less stressed. God wired our brains in such a way that when you begin to not only think about what's going on in your world and begin to help other people in their world, you get less stressed. Isn't it amazing how science catches up with the Bible? I love it. Absolutely love it. Now, a couple years ago, I had a chance to go uh, to Israel. And if you've ever been to Israel, you have to go to a place you know, called the Dead Sea. Now, they call it the Dead Sea because uh, water goes into this place. Nothing is alive. It has the highest salt content of any body of water in the entire earth. And literally, you can go into the water and you just naturally float like you had those you know, floaties on or something. In fact, I think we got a picture of exactly what it looks like. That's literally what you're doing is that you're just, you can sit there and you can read and float. It's the weirdest feeling and sensation in the Dead Sea. You notice there is nothing, there's no fish that live in there. There's nothing that can, that can be alive in that entire Dead Sea. One warning, by the way, if you have a small cut, don't go in. <laughs> Ladies, let me just one word, do not shave your legs 
before I saw so many ladies just screaming as they were running out because they just shaved their legs that morning and it burned. It burned so bad. So just as an FYI. Here's the interesting part about the Dead Sea. Water goes into the Dead Sea all the time. The reason it's dead is because it doesn't go out anywhere. And so nothing's alive. And isn't that a great illustration for us? See, at some point you come to Christ and, and, and for many of you, I hope even maybe today is that day for you, but you come to Christ and you're excited, you're, you're pumped up, this is new, this is where living and you're like, I can't get enough. And so you come to church like, wow, this is feeding me. And then you go to small group and it's feeding me, you're reading God's word and it's feeding me. Then all of a sudden, after a little bit of time, you're like, it wasn't feeding me like it first was. It wasn't nourishing like it first was. So you, you try to go to other places. You try to find deeper you know, things that'll feed you more, feed you more, feed you more. Do you know what we call those people? Fat Christians, right? That's what we call them. Now, look, I'm not one to make fun of people's weight here. You know, so that's not what I'm saying here. I'm just saying internally, you're just feeding yourself over and over, trying to find where the next sermon or where the next words or where the next words that can feed you when your issue is not feeding, it's giving, it's serving, it's exercising what he has given us and putting that into practice is when you start experiencing the abundant life that he gave you. We go from consuming to contributing. See, my life is truly blessed when I realized how I'm wired to be a blessing. For Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. So how do I know? How do I know how God's wired me? Okay, how do I know he's wired me? Uh, here's here's some, a couple of ways you get it. One is you could Google spiritual gifts assessment. And you can go online, even today, you know, you could just find out, how, I wonder what kind of gifts that God has given to me. Because he gives everybody a spiritual gift upon receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that can be helpful. Here's some other ways it can be helpful. I call it the three E's. And you can find this in your rooted curriculum if you're going through that this week. Examine. So examine is the first E. Perhaps you've got a natural tendency, you know, to serve, to organize, to lead, to host people or teach. Let other people speak in. And people say, I see this in you. Secondly, experiment. You know, jump in, seek opportunities. You never know until you jump in and then all of a sudden you realize, wow, that was great. God really used me. So just jump into those areas and then evaluate. See, you know, if this, this gift is actually being effective and used by God and bearing fruit. Uh, let me give you one, one, you know, realistic example. All of us are called to like, you know, set up chairs and do all that kind of stuff. Some of us have a gift of it though. Uh, all of us are called to sing, right? To sing to God. We're called to sing praise to God. Only some of us are supposed to be on stage. <laughs> Let's be real, right? So some of us have gifts that have been given, some of these talents. Uh, one of the ways to try to figure some of this out is what we call the purpose diagram. Purpose diagram, and again, if you're in the rooted you know, curriculum, this is going to be in your, your notebook. If not, you can take a picture with your cell phone. You know, uh, this is your network. These are your relationships. This is your passion, your values as you write those things down. This is your story and your experiences. This is your skills and your gifts and your spiritual gifts. And then in the center, you find your purpose. See, some of us are trying to, as we're going through life, we're trying to figure this out, but you realize that as you go on and on and on, because the Bible talks clearly, talks clearly that we all have a gift from him. Some of you guys are incredible hosts. Some of you guys are leaders. Some of you guys are teachers. You know, some of you guys are servants. Some of you guys are encouragers. Some of you guys are prayer warriors. doesn't mean we all don't do those things, but that's where you need to camp. And then all of a sudden you realize, wow, it's not as much of a burden to serve 
because I'm placed in a position as part of the body of Christ that allows me to serve in a way that's fulfilling because he's wired me that way. That's why we want to find you a place to be able to do that. See, my, my life is not only blessed when I realize how I'm to serve, but also then where. You do realize that there are two places that God calls all of us to be a part of serving. The first place is God calls everyone who's a follower of Jesus to be part of his church. To be part of his church. To serve as part of the body. You are on Team Jesus. You're not just a fan. There's, a, there's an opportunity to be a part of what God's doing, a part of his church. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, The human body is many parts, but there are many parts that make up one whole body, so it is the body of Christ. Verse 27, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Then it goes on to list in verse 28 the different parts that I already mentioned, teachers and helps and leadership and that kind of stuff. Uh, a former president said this, Ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. This is the way we would say it today. Ask not what your church can do for you, but what you can do for his church. Right? Your part. Every single person is to play a part in what God is doing as part of the church. If you call this church your home church, there's a part that God needs you to play. And then all of us benefit from that. In fact, so much so, you keep inviting people. And uh, on your seats when you came in, uh, every other seat or so, there should have been one of these things. We want to move you from being a volunteer to a change maker. And there's opportunities you know, uh, on the back that we are, are looking for, because guess what? This is going to sound a little crazy. We're going to probably decide in the next month of adding a fourth Sunday morning service starting this fall. So we're looking at a fourth Sunday morning service this fall to try to alleviate and try to help because we want to keep ministering to what God is doing. But in order to do that, we need Christ's body to be involved in what he's called you to be a part of. And whether it be, you know, running a camera, greeting, or, you know, or working in the kids' area, wherever that may be, you've got a list of areas in the back that's most in need if we're going to go to four services this fall. But we'll know if God's calling us that way, not only because we're continuing to invite people, which we should in this community, but also if we've got people who are serving. It moves us from being consumers to contributors. And maybe this is the next simple step for some of us in this room. Now, I do want to take a second to let you know that those of you who are currently helping out, you're not just volunteers, you are change makers. Do you guys, those of you guys who, you know, are helping in the uh, kids area, you know, that you're allowing parents to come in here to be able to connect with God while they themselves are being, you're being used by God to serve their kids and teaching them. Some of you guys are rocking babies. I'm just rocking babies. You have any idea that maybe the one hour in the entire week that mom or mom and dad have a chance to be away from their child to be able to focus on him and not have to worry about that? And so we just want to say thank you in any area that you're serving. And we're hopefully we're thanking one another and creating that environment, you know, where we just walk up. Even today as you leave, just thank anybody you see serving in any capacity. How cool does it be? Thanks for greeting. Thanks for working in our coffee area. Thanks for helping us lead in worship. Thank you, tech people. Thank you, you know, uh, parking people. Thank you so much for serving communion. All of these are volunteer positions that make up the body of Christ. And you too can be part of it as well. I know personally, I have been so blessed by this church and how you have supported us, you know, in our adoption, you know, how you've prayed for us, you know, and my kids on a regular basis, how you've come alongside and encouraged. I, I'm so honored to be part of such an encouraging and loving church. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, some of you guys saw, uh, last night I had a first from, for me. Um, I grew up with 
boys. I only had two brothers. I only had two boys, and now we've adopted this girl, so this is new. So I went to my first daddy-daughter dance last night. Oh, until you saw me dance. I've been, oh, I've been a, been a different kind of, kind of experience. Here's the funny thing about, you know, Anjali is that uh, she has little dance parties in her room, you know, by herself. So it didn't matter. She did not care. As soon as she heard that music, you know, I'm not kidding. I was on the middle because she said, I have to be daddy in the middle of the dance floor because there's balloons and they're going to drop sometime. And I'm like, you do realize that's like two hours from now. Daddy, we have to be here. And so I'm just like, okay, here we go. Some more, you know, whatever it looks like, you know, and then, and then I quickly realized after about an hour of this, I'm like, you do realize you're never going to date. I'm not going to let any boy have any opportunity, you know, at all, you know. <laughs> so just little things. So we just, you know, I saw so many of you guys, dads there as well, you know, uh, last night, there was seven or eight guys recognized from the church and just really cool, you know, to be a part of a church like that. See, God calls everyone to serve in his church. But secondly, and this might be your first priority, God calls everyone to use unique gifts to serve him in the world for his glory. Uh, like, let me give you five areas really quickly that God may be calling you as your primary area to serve and that the church is secondary. All of us will be involved in both, but here's the first one, family and education. You know, that God has called you to serve your family, to serve and love and disciple this next generation whether you're a teacher, you know, who's in the preschool, all the way to universities, we need more Christian men and women who are modeling to the world in the classroom and to these kids through words and through actions what it looks like as if Jesus was teaching. And that's how God's wired you. So serve him in that way and don't feel guilty about that. Church is secondary in your service. That's your primary. Or maybe for some of you, it's in politics and government. We need more men and women who are passionate about and who are involved and who are able to work at the local and the state, you know, and the, and the, the federal, the, the U.S. government level in any way, shape, or form. I mean, you guys just get hammered all the time. There's no winning. And yet we need more people to represent Jesus in that way. Maybe for some of you, it's uh, the media and the arts. That's, that's how God has wired you. You do realize, and I think you'll back me up on this, that the most powerful tool influencing how people think and act today is through media. And how much more do we need people, you know, in the film and TV, you know, social media realm, your followers of Jesus as your primary way to serve Jesus, it's going to be in that environment. For some of you, it's in business and economics. You need to change your mindset from saying, I just run a business. No, 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 no. God's given you a gift to oversee and to help and develop a business that would honor and reflect him and his values and to do it in a, such a way that brings integrity to that area that can so, be so fudged in order to get to the bottom line. God needs you. Or the health and the environment. You know, what an opportunity, those who work in the healthcare system, you know, to make a difference. You know, uh, if anybody should be about environmentalism, not in the, in, in, the, in the crazy side of way where they elevate that over people, but in a way that should protect the environment. So we Christians, we're the ones charged with overseeing our environment and health. Gosh, so many opportunities to be a pastor. See, for some of you, here's the difference. As you wake up tomorrow morning, it's not changing your job. It's not adding another to-do list. When I asked you at the beginning, are you stressed? Are you busy? That kind of stuff. It's not adding anything more. It's just changing your mindset. So you wake up in the job that God has given you and you say, today, it's your day, Jesus. I'm going to glorify you where you have placed me until you move me. And that's going to be my primary area. And then secondly, Lord, I'm going to find a place to serve in through your church. And that might be your secondary. 
I don't know what it is for you, but you know what it may be. Imagine, imagine what abundant life you would begin to experience if you understood and embraced out of a feeling from Jesus that your life was meant to be lived for the benefit of others. And out of that, you actually find yourself more content, more fulfilled, more at peace, more in the direction that God has called you to live and to lead for him. That's my prayer for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. I pray, Father, that you would just, uh, just guide our hearts and our minds right now as we just, just kind of evaluate, uh, Lord, what it, what it means, the why behind the what. Why do we serve, Lord? Because you served us. You know, where should we serve, Lord, in, in our place outside these walls and, and also, Lord, as part of your church, your body here? Help us to find that regular place that would just bring honor to your name, not begrudgingly, not, Lord, because uh, we have nothing left, but because that's who we are because of what you've done. Lord, if there's anyone here that's not yet received you, may today be the day that they take that next step in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.